Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome into Unanchored Boston with Bob LaBelle. I'm Mike Lynch, and this week's episode, of course, is brought to you by Cold Springs RV, your destination for all things camping and where. We're in New Hampshire, of course, and by the great George Gray, the big wheel, we call him, at George Gray's Lexington Toyota. Well, we're thrilled to have the biggest wheel of all, and again, sports and you name it. Uh, he's been a good friend of ours for years, and he's been a good friend of people in Boston, Baltimore, San Diego, Yale, Princeton. On and on. But Lobel always handles the intros, Larry. I don't know why, but uh, he's going to introduce you. Take it away, Robert. <laughs> uh, thanks, Lynchy. And uh, Larry, welcome. It's really uh, great to see you and great to have you here. And uh, well, there's so many places I can start. I know that just to refresh our audience, uh, Edward Bennett Williams was a huge mentor for you. He was indeed the, the biggest and the best I could possibly have. And uh, it was he was with the Washington Redskins, at least your time in D.C., and with the Washington Redskins and brought you into so many different areas of uh, of expertise. And Lynchy's re reluctant to mention your law degree from Yale, but uh, he did. <laughs> mention, so I thought that was a big, big deal. Yeah, I remember the first meeting I went to with Ed. He left after the first uh, half day. He had to go back to the law firm. And uh, here I am, a 30-something uh, guy surrounded by these uh, baseball legends. Of, uh, and, uh, and I said, what the hell am I doing here? And then one of the Roonies came up to me and said, ah, we know you're from Pittsburgh. And uh, the, the old <laughs> Pittsburgh connection is a little like the Boston connection. It says all you need. You must be uh, distraught being from Pittsburgh and seeing all the success that Philadelphia's had uh, over the past uh, – few years especially now well the Steelers are hanging in there but uh, I know you're a big Steeler fan and uh, the Eagles are I am, I am indeed you can't grow up in Pittsburgh without being a Steeler fan and uh, um, Mike McCarthy said it best the other day when he said the uh, the coaches the, uh, the Cowboys he said uh, you're not from uh, Pittsburgh uh, if you grow up and you don't hate everything about Philadelphia <laughs> heard that and uh, I'm sure you believed it you know why wouldn't you I understand and we have the same issues <laughs> it's where the evil empire came from that phrase and uh, it's true. I'll never forget standing on the sidelines of Yankee Stadium and doing a live shot with you at, along the first baseline and uh, you came out with that line at the evil empire it was really uh, pretty damn stunning it was it was yeah, I, remember, I remember the New York Times correspondent saying, God damn it, that's a good line. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we've gotten a lot of mileage out of that. Well, you know, your baseball, and obviously we're going to focus on that because you've been such a huge influence in the Boston uh, area and New England area. And not only that, but Major League Baseball with, you know, San Diego and the Orioles and uh, and now the Red Sox and being the CEO and president of each of those organizations. And uh, how did it how did it all come together with you and John Henry and Tom Werner? How did the the three of you ended up you being the adult in the room? How did the three of you end up together and coming to Boston? Well, we were dialing for dollars in the uh early part of uh, 
late part of, I should say, of 2001. Uh, and uh, I remember being at the Yale-Brown uh, game uh, when uh, with uh, my high school teammate and buddy who was the athletic director at Yale. And I got a phone call from John Henry, whom I knew. And uh, he said, uh, you think there's room for me in that group of yours? And I said, uh, room for you, John. You're perfect. You're uh, perfect. You're perfect. You're perfect. So it worked out well. He called at halftime of that game. And uh, got, we, we, we called him Investor 11 to protect his privacy. And uh, it, it went from there. He was a uh, he was just the uh, the deep pocketed guy that we needed and played the baseball uh, bona fides. What about so, uh, Werner? Where did that? How did the how did the three of you get together? Well, Werner was uh, with us in San Diego when uh, we bought uh, the team from him. Uh, I think his was the only time uh, that I can recall that. Um, uh, a team was sold for less than it uh, was purchased for, uh, and uh, he was, he stayed on as a five percent owner of our team. So he and I knew each other from uh, from those days. So the fact that he was dating Katie Couric had nothing to do with it at the time. No, no, nothing to do with it. No, no, it's just coincidental. No, I think it had a lot to do with it. <laughs> Well, at any rate, Lynch, this just gets us off the ground. I'm sorry. Well, the mention of it was all that was required because we were so desperate for so uh, so much uh, for more money to uh, to acquire the team, and John was uh, was perfect. He wrote a check for twenty five million dollars right right on the spot, and. Uh, and that's pretty impressive, by the way, if you can get someone to write a check for $25 million right on the spot. Was it Selig that put that, when you say your group, John was not part of you. Who was your group at that time? Larry? It was uh, uh, Tom Warner, myself, uh, uh, a guy named Les Otten. Uh, and I know Les Otten from the ski area guy. Yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh John uh, joined us uh, in late October. Lynchy, you know the old saying. Quite swiftly. the old saying that success is a thousand fathers and failure is an orphan. Well, we got lots of people who think they are. They were a part of uh, putting our group together. Uh, that's. It's pretty interesting. Who, who were the who were the who were the pretenders? Are you saying? Never mind. <laughs> Never mind, uh, Labelle. I see. We turned back the calendar, but we haven't. We turned back the clock, but not the calendar. Nothing has uh, nothing has changed with you. Well, no. I mean, I think people are interested. I mean, you look. Your influence in this area was overwhelming. I mean, let's. Let's not talk about the last few years right now. Let's talk about your successes that you had. Your influence was really overwhelming. And well, you were the adult in the room. So let's face it. Thank you. I was lucky enough to bring in a lot of good people. Uh, and uh, and uh, so we ended up with a pretty, uh, what we were used to call deep depth in the front office. And 
And we, uh, after we won in 04, we had a saying that uh, any group of Shlemiels can win once. So we had to win again in 07, and we won again in uh, 13. And, of course, they, uh, the team won again in six in 18. So uh, it, was, uh, it was a great, great run. Well, I'll say. One more question, and then I'll shut up, right? Because I really okay, haven't I, left. I can, just, I can just leave. No, and I no, I, no I'll, just, I'll shut up in a minute. I just, I'm just yeah. fascinated. So basically, with the Red Sox, the dog has been chasing the car for decades. Eighty, you know, eight decades. As a matter of fact, the dog's chasing the car, and it catches the car finally in two thousand four. Right, and then, and then that changes everything. That really changed everything. Well, uh, two thousand and five is still a blur to me. The uh, the uh, magic of 2005, the fan reaction to 2005, the uh, player reaction to 2004, I should say, um, it was uh, extraordinary. And uh, uh, I still get chills when I talk about it. You know, um, one of the big turnarounds in that 2004 season was the trade on the trading deadline. Nomar Gossipar, Orlando Cepeda came in, Doug Mankay. Where did you find the American? Well, we, we went to uh, we went to uh, um, uh, no more directly and said, oh, "Listen, let's stop fooling around. Are we gonna have a do a deal? Are we not gonna do a deal? Are you gonna leave us at the end of the year?" And he basically said, "I'm gonna leave at the end of the year." So he may he kind of uh, called the shot. And when he said he was going to leave and we were going to get a couple of draft picks, it didn't seem right. So, uh, so we tried to uh, uh, make something happen. And uh, Theo uh, Epstein and uh, uh, was was instrumental in in in, in uh, all of that happening. Uh, Mankiewicz, I still don't know where he came from. <laughs> well, I remember. I remember going on TV. It was a noon noon broadcast, for, uh, and they would you had traded no more. But it was the same day that you got Mankiewicz from Minnesota. Yeah, and it was, and Millar was never not happy about that. Kevin Millar thought he was the quint, quintessential first baseman, you know, offensively and defensively, and man was not happy about Mankiewicz coming. Well, he did get the walk that uh, started the. Yeah, uh, I know that that is very famous, right? And then a yeah. television show afterwards. Say what? And a television show afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's right. Good. But. He, he was. Uh, he um, getting that walk was a big deal, damn deal. And, uh, and then uh, Dave Roberts came in and uh, sold that base by the smallest of margins. And um, there you go. Then, then we were off. Boy, I'll say that was amazing. You know, amazing. the uh, on the field, the Red Sox Yankees have always been a combustible combination. Was it the same with 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 on the executive level? It was. It was. Let's see. Uh, the uh, um, the uh, senior executives of the uh, uh, of the uh, Yankees were not reluctant uh, to throw names in our direction and uh, we could take a punch and we uh, retaliated and so we kept the uh, level 
uh, pretty, pretty ugly, pretty high for pretty long. Yeah. Bob, you want to ask? Yeah, no, I, there's I'll so many fascinating ask. things because I mean, so many careers were, were started and, uh, well, Theo's for one, and I know that he came, he, he was a protege of yours and came with San Diego and it wasn't always smooth with Theo, uh, here in Boston, Francona was another one. Fran, you know, turned out to be, in a lot of people's opinion, the best manager the Red Sox ever had. And then there was that whole falling out period. So, like I said, the dog caught the car, and a lot of things happened. And they weren't all they weren't all good. They were all. Well, good. listen, we had we had, we made a big effort to uh, to bring in a lot of good people, and uh, you named some of them there. But uh, I remember Sam. Uh, 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 Oh gosh! Why am I blanking on Sam's last name? Kennedy. Uh, Sam Kennedy's. Uh, 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 we was part of the Free the Brookline Two campaign that we conducted <laughs> here. Free the Brookline Two. Theo <laughs> Epstein and uh, Sam Kennedy, and uh, we had to lodge them away from the San Diego Padres, and uh, we 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 ended up with a lot of good people, including uh, uh, Francona. So, yeah. so, so, Larry, you you brought in your I mean, yourself, John Henry, um, Tom Warner. Now you got to get someone to actually run the day to day operation. What made you gravitate to a twenty eight year old kid who had and you had you you, you this you don't you don't have training wheels in this job. I mean, yeah. at this particular time, you got to be able to you got to be a you know the Tour de France guy on a bicycle. What made you say pull the trigger and say yes? Theo is the guy. Well, there was a uh, uh, club. Uh, well, Theo was advanced uh, intellectually. There's no question about that. And we were in the process of, of professionalizing the front office. Uh, and uh, it's funny. There's a uh, story about that. The, uh, that night we had a dinner at the White House and uh, President uh, Bush was fanatically punctual. So right at seven o'clock, he came in and he said, Hey, Lucino, I hear you hired a 28 year old GM today. I said, uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, Mr. President, he went to Yale. He said, strike two. It's <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing he ever said. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, we, we did hire, uh, I don't know what, what uh, maybe you want to do it, but I wanted to do it against uh, the wishes of John and Tom. Who thought that he that Theo was a little bit too young? So wait a minute. Let's back up right there. They, against their wishes, they 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 thought it was too young, too inexperienced. Yes, I think that's Theo. right. I think that's right. Uh, I I remember spending a fair bit of time to convince to convince them that he was the right guy. But he was he was to be twenty nine in uh, in about in a few weeks time. He, he, Theo used to joke that was a prefix prefix to his real name, a 28-year-old, comma, Theo Epstein, comma, general manager of the... Yeah. <laughs> you should say 29 and uh, 10, yeah. uh, 11 twelfths. Yeah. Um, so what, what what was the um, convincing point? How did you convince them? Who gets uh, the I, I just think it was... Um, um, I said to suggest that he had the highest ceiling, and he did, and uh, they, they didn't take that much convincing. They were uh, they were receptive to the notion. 
they wanted to win. There was no question about it uh, that uh, John and Tom wanted to win in those days. We were very determined to uh, to win. And uh, if if, if uh, I suggested this was the, the fastest, quickest way to get there, they were receptive. I got, well, you know, today's present day fan will say, what changed? Well, we had contract disputes changed uh, during the... Uh, during no, the, I mean in terms of wanting to win. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. I still own a little piece of the Red Sox, and but I'm uh, I am inactive. I know the Red Sox have a lot of different uh, fires to uh, to put out in different sports, and uh, uh, I I look back with longing to the days when we were just the Boston Red Sox. You think they've got distracted, Larry? You think that? You know, so many different pieces of uh, the Fenway Sports Group have distracted them in many ways or changed. Well, I think that that's uh, somewhat inevitable, I suppose, that uh, with the passage of time comes uh, distractions and uh, other interests. But uh, uh, as far as I know, John and Tom were, uh, were and still are determined to win and want to win and want to win at the Red Sox. You know, the optics aren't great, though, Larry. I mean, every every other week you have some acquisition by the Fenway Sports Group when the team is just sort of, you know, down the bottom of the American League East. And is that something that bothers a lot of people? Yeah, it bothers me. It bothers me. Uh, uh, as I said, I was thinking the other day about the good good days when we had just uh, there were 15 of us uh, who were uh, owners of the team, and we uh, kept uh, an eye on on where the Red Sox won, we were determined to end that 86-year-old curse. And uh, so um, uh, I think that uh, people were were in our um, um, longing for the good, those good old days. So you're saying you're longing for the good old days when baseball took 100% of the attention of every member of that 15-person group, not today when it might not be taken even majority of that group well i you know i should be be a little careful because no no let it go i got, I got, the, uh, <laughs> I got the phone call from uh uh someone in liverpool saying uh, they were interested in uh in reorganizing and would we be interested in in, in them and so um i remember calling uh, john he didn't know what uh, uh soccer was but he knew what liverpool was and he was uh, very interested in uh, in pursuing the uh, liverpool connection so i was uh, part of the effort that uh, caused the diversification well i don't know you know but how did how would you know how would you know they'd buy a hockey team how did you know they'd get a nascar team how did you know they'd get a, a golf team how did you know you didn't know you did you do that's due diligence i don't that's different. You can't. No, I think they, I think you're right. I, I I didn't know it would it would it would go on so deeply and and uh, so successfully, and uh, um, but um, in any event, uh, I have uh, great respect and admiration for uh, for uh, John Henry and and Tom Warner and their desire to win. So don't take that for granted. No, no, I understand, Larry. Totally, I. I you know, things things through the years have a way of mellowing in, in, a, in a lot of 
different ways. But who was the decision maker? I mean, who when when you say Henry, you had to convince uh, Henry and and Tom to hire Theo. Who was the decision maker in the three of you? Well, I guess I was in in, in a sense that uh, I was the one who who brought the decision to the group and said, "Let's uh, let's debate this." Uh, Theo is ready, and, uh, and in fact, he was not quite ready. Um, you know, on the contract front, he was uh, he was a little a little uh, uh, young, but uh, he was uh, he was a very uh, uh, very determined uh, guy who was uh, very knowledgeable on on player personnel, which is really what a GM is all about. So. Does it concern you that analytics analytics has become such a huge part of the game? Because it does a little bit, it does a little bit, but I don't think it'll ever be uh, too big a part of the game. You got someone like uh, John Henry who believes very deeply in it, uh, uh, Theo Epstein who believes deeply in it, Sam uh, Sam Kennedy who believes uh, in it, but I think with a more reasonable uh, bent, he's uh, he's inclined to. Uh, um, to look at both, uh, to, to look through both both lenses, both the uh, competitive uh, com, the uh, competitive lens and also the quantitative lens, and and to get a truer picture of the, the talent at the other end. Are the, are the three of you still good friends, Tom, John, and yourself, or has there been a rift? Um. I would say uh, we are still uh, uh, John. John and I still talk to each other. Uh, Tom and I not so much, um, but uh, we are still friendly. Uh, Tom did a wonderful job at the. I don't know if you went to the uh, Tim Wakefield uh, uh, memorial, but it was fantastic, and Tom did a wonderful, wonderful <coughs> capturing this the spirit of the moment. Yeah, he. I have my own. We all have our own opinions of these people, but Jan Marie Smith was a huge part of your operation as well. I mean, can't you can't deny her, uh, or even talk about your success without talking about Janet Marie Smith because of the way she designed, you know, with with your uh, advice and and touch building those ballparks to resemble previous era ballparks and have that same feel that she did with Petco Field and Camden Yards and, and certainly Fenway Park, certainly transformed Fenway Park, uh, as you know, into something really, not that it wasn't special to begin with, but it was a dump before. Yeah, I, I know. You sports writers sort of led, led the charge on <laughs> Fenway Park and the, uh, and the in, in, inadequacies. But we wanted a modern... Uh, uh, facility that uh, that had uh, modern amenities, but it was traditional, old-fashioned ballpark. And uh, Fenway Park presented that opportunity to us, as did Camden Yards. So let me ask you: Was there ever any? We've all heard stories. Um, we tell the one over and over again how John was looking at a piece of property down in the harbor. He went down and met with Joe O'Donnell down there. Um, and, you know, John was imagining looking out over the harbor where center field would be, right field, et cetera, et cetera. Was there any, any consideration to building a new ballpark in another part of the city? 
Um, vaguely, I suppose we considered absolutely everything uh, way back when. I think that uh, that session with uh, uh, Joe was uh, has been largely exaggerated, but uh, John was uh, was receptive to almost any and every possibility, including uh, a ballpark down down at the waterfront. That, that well, would have been something, uh, but that would have meant you know tearing down Fenway, and you might not have that whole real estate development that's going on around there right now. Boy, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, the uh, we we bought some real estate on all four sides of uh, of Fenway in order to protect ourselves because we saw the inevitable coming that uh, uh, it was uh, we were going to keep uh, Fenway Park and it was going to be a massive amount of rebuilding going on around it and we wanted to uh, maintain the virtues of uh, the classic baseball virtues of Fenway Park while still growing and changing uh, with the real estate needs. Did Jim Marie Smith get a, get a fair shake and her, uh, all of a sudden she disappeared from, from the scene here? Well, she's uh, been active with us in, uh, in Worcester where uh, I have been the uh, uh, principal owner and, uh, and I, one of the first things I did when I went there was, was hire her and uh, as a, uh, uh, so we were going to build a new ballpark in Worcester, and uh, that was right up her alley. And so uh, uh, she, she's been very active for and with me for the last several years. But she has been, uh, she has faded from the scene, I suppose. It's true with respect to uh, um, uh, the, uh, the ballpark. Everybody says that Worcester's Polar Park is a gem. I mean, everybody I've talked to, I mean, I've heard conversations from other people that had no idea I was standing there listening to their conversations, which is the best way of hearing about things. Yeah. Uh, they they thought it was a really special place. And uh, I thought you ought to know that. I mean, I think you do know that, but it's always good to be reinforced. Boy, I agree, especially when you when you got a, a legitimate source, as you do. Bob, when you when the person doesn't even know you're listening, but uh, you uh, we're lucky. The Worcester is a great baseball market. Uh, Central Mass is a great uh, extension of the Red Sox uh, market, and uh, uh, we uh, we have had winning records since we've been there for the last three years. We've um, made uh, made some money. Not that people necessarily care about that, but. Uh, it's uh, it's been a very successful run. We've had a, a ballpark that has been extremely well received by the people of Central uh, Mass, primarily. But also, I know that's what everybody says, and I it's, you should, you should, I'm sure you know that, but uh, it's good to hear it from outside sources. I wish you'd have hired me, Larry, to teach her. <laughs> we should have. We should have hired. We should have had a Back to the Future day. Hired you and Lynch. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> Uh, but so do, this, do you like it, Larry? Do you like owning a minor league team? And you've gone from I have, I have, but uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm I'm now 78. I've I've been at at this for over 40 years, so it's uh, time to uh, to sell this team and to uh, move on uh, to uh, blissful retirement. How's your health, Larry? Pretty good. Uh, it varies from day to day, but uh, it's uh, it, it's uh, it's pretty good. 
I've had a, a, a little cold, of a flu last couple of weeks, which has uh, delayed my scheduling this event. But uh, as you can hear now, I'm, I'm, my voice is stronger and uh, and uh, I, I'm much, uh, much better than I used to be. And you've been really involved with the Jimmy Fund, and I know you yourself is have battled cancer and, you know, successfully battled it. But can you talk a little bit about how that experience has gone and, and where that stands now? Well, this is the 75th anniversary of the Jimmy Fund, and uh, we are in a big uh, effort to celebrate that fact. And uh, we would appreciate the uh, uh, contributions from people uh, to the Jimmy Fund. It has been uh, thriving for, for years. And uh, between the Jimmy Fund, the, the Pan Mass Challenge, and the Jimmy Fund Walk, and uh, all sorts of things, we are we're doing quite well. And uh, but we do need to do well. The, the uh, adversary is formidable with respect to cancer. I have let you have a question here about the different towns that he was in. Grew born in Pittsburgh, and that's. That's an accomplishment in under itself. I've known. <laughs> Come on, we we Pittsburghers feel. Well, we're all in the belt, you know. Cleveland is a big, you know. I'm a big fan of Cleveland. You're a big fan of the Steelers, and somehow we've managed to get along. Yeah, and, and yeah. so, but Pittsburgh, San Diego, Baltimore, D.C., the capital, and and Boston. Now, there's there is a five different cultures, and you might be able to add a few. How would you compare, you don't have to go through each one of them, but the cultures that those... Well, I think the place that you start is, is the right place to start, uh, Bob, and that is that uh, they are each different one from another. You shouldn't uh, be, be too quick to draw comparisons that Baltimore is one kind of town and uh, San Diego is another, Pittsburgh is another, and uh, you've got to, uh, honestly, in the ballpark, Ballpark has got to really got got to uh, recommend um, uh, reflect, I should say, the uh, the characteristics of the town. And it did in Baltimore. It did in San Diego. It did in uh, in, in Boston. It did in Worcester. And uh, and I think that uh, we are we are really uh, lucky in that regard. We've had distinctive towns with distinctive markets. Well, how would you compare Boston to the? Well, the culture of Boston, I mean, to come here, I'm not saying, no, you've had the, the background that you could adapt. I'm not sure Tom Werner ever adapted. <laughs> that's my opinion, okay? Never mind, never mind. Well, that's my opinion. I, I just, okay. I don't think Tom has ever really felt. He's a Bostonian. Yeah, well, okay, that's, well, that's, that's your opinion. Okay, yeah, that was my opinion, and I didn't ask you to join it, but... Uh, Talk about that, this community. Tell this town what it's like, because I think some people don't realize it. Well, this town is a very, uh, uh, it's, it's unique. Uh, and I think you, you got to start with that perspective. Um, Bostonians, you know, uh, have a certain, certain perspective, certain element of favoritism about things that are Boston. And uh, I think that's true. It's, it's a neighborhood town like Pittsburgh. It's a ethnic town like Pittsburgh. It's a political town like Pittsburgh. So in some ways, Pittsburgh was a great uh, uh, 
growing up place for me and uh and prepared me for uh for the for the boston scene that uh, i inherited with mayor menino and the uh and the political scene that was here i i want to back up i don't know if this is breaking news or not but you said a few moments ago you were 78 years old and it's time to sell is that is that is that breaking news on this podcast I don't know uh, that it is. We've been talking to various people for for many months, trying to find a local owner who would step up. Uh, so uh, I think it's uh, something that's been going on for uh, for some time. In uh, but uh, whether it happens in the next uh, six six weeks or six months or six years is uh, remains to be seen. Okay. Uh, and one other question. Do you have to go to Yale to actually run the Boston Red Sox? Yeah, it, it actually helps. <laughs> I mean, you are used to finishing second. My phone number is 2222, my uh, cell number. So I remember taking that one because we were always second to the Yankees. And, uh, and I wanted to have a number that reminded me of that. And uh, and, and Yale finishing second to Princeton or, the, or Harvard was always a good reminder of that too. <laughs> I mean, you go Bukino, Epstein, Hyam Bloom, Craig Breslow now. I mean, you know, give some other schools a chance, will you? <laughs> well, if Harvard weren't so, so student-oriented, we would give we would give them more of a chance. <laughs> yeah, Peter Woodfork in there, though. That's right. And uh, what's his name? Ben, ben Crockett. Uh, yeah, Ben Crockett. There you are. Yeah. Here we go. Hey, Bob, why don't you read that spot and we can ask Larry that the, the question. Oh, that's crazy. Hang on, Larry. I got one more. By the way, I've had some really uh, great jobs over my uh, mediocre career, but one of the best jobs I had was the PA announcer at Fenway Park. And I, <laughs> I really, I thank you for that. That opportunity really, um, I love doing that. It was great. It was great. And, uh, Anyway, campers, you got to take advantage of the end of the season savings at Cold Springs RV. You can also get a great deal on 2024 models that are uh, in now in stock. So go check out the latest in pop-ups and travel trailers and fifth wheelers and motorhomes and visit all these towns that Larry was talking about, whether it's Baltimore or Boston or you know, D.C. or Pittsburgh or San Diego and ask about winter storage for your RV. Protect your RV with winterizing at their Pro RV Service Center. It's a great idea. So we put it this winter. Get to Cold Springs RV in Ware, New Hampshire and tell them Loby and Lynchy sent you and learn more. You can go on ColdSpringsRV.com. And the question, of course, our favorite time of the week in these podcasts, Larry, is something that uh, Mike's about to ask you. All right, so we know that um, John Madden didn't like to fly. He had a Madden cruiser. Right. So we're trying to get Cold Springs RV to build a Loby uh, slash Lynchy cruiser. And we're going to let each one of our guests take it cross-country from Boston to California. But you have to pick somebody to ride shotgun with you who want to be your companion, somebody you want to have a conversation with, somebody you'd like to spend five or six days with. And... Um, you know, we've had some great answers, any of them from Bill Parcells to Winston Churchill to you name it. So the question to you, Larry Lacchino, you're going to get to ride in the Lobby Cruiser, cross country. It's all yours for a whole week. You get a ride. And who, who would you like to, 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 to ride shotgun with you? I think uh, Edward Ben Williams or Bobby Bethard. Bobby oh, yeah. Bethard was a uh, was a, uh, 
player personnel guy for the uh, uh, in the NFL, and then became the general manager of the of the Red Sox when I was a young young lad. And uh, he is a fascinating guy. He was a fascinating guy, and he is a uh, he is a, uh, very knowledgeable. He still influences me to this day. So I would say uh, Bethard or, or or Williams would be ideal uh, in my case. That's interesting. Would, would you talk football? Would you what, what would you talk? Well, we talk uh, we talk life in general, uh, and uh, Bethard was a student of life as well as a student of football, and. Uh, uh, and Williams was a student of life. Absolutely, I asked his his wife what his great gift was as a as a lawyer, and she said it was his undeniable instinct for people. And uh, I think that's uh, that's right. So you could always keep a conversation alive with Williams. In fact, Williams would say, uh, "Quiet down, Luke. You know, let me let me let me raise this conversation to a higher level." And he would. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's impossible to pick out all the accomplishments. We go back to the Final Four. You're in the, in the front of Princeton team in 1965, yeah. which goes to the uh, to the Final Four. Bill Bradley, yeah, Dollar well, Bill. Bradley is a fabulous guy, and he's uh, he's uh, he's matured and uh, and uh, and uh, lightened up and. Uh, I, I still see him about once a year, and uh, uh, I have enormous respect for him. A sense of where you are. He wrote that book. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna write a book about the captain of our team, my senior year. That uh, was uh, Bradley was the captain my sophomore year, and uh, uh, the book about him was called A Sense of Where You Are. The book about Ed Ed, Ed Hummer, who was the uh, captain my senior year, was called Where Am I? <laughs> so it, it, it like that but he's a very intelligent very bright guy and he so, he gets the joke what, what what's the what's the what's the mount everest of of all your accomplishments larry boy i would say um the 80 uh, the 86 year into the curse i would say that has to be uh, number one, that uh, we were determined that, that we would end that. And uh, in fact, we said so at the initial press conference when we were uh, introduced, uh, that we would uh, take a few years and, and end the curse of the Bambino. And, uh, and and we did. We we ended up doing so in, in, uh, in 2004, and we ended up making that statement in 2001. Yeah, that was pretty remarkable, and, uh, and just for, for so many different things. And what do you? Th that was, you know, a, a great time, uh, never to be repeated because it, it just of what it preceded, or what it, you know, what it had. It it closed off that that dark period that sure did. Yeah, yeah. Was under there. But what about the state of baseball today, Larry? Well, it's, uh, I think it's uh, robust, uh, despite the World Series being played in a uh, closet in uh, Texas and in, Arkansas, in uh, Arizona. Uh, I think the uh, state of the game is, is very good. Changes in, in rules in the recent years have, have sped up the game. And uh, uh, I think that uh, 
it's still it still is the number one sport that if uh, people are athletes in uh, in there in high school they've got to play some baseball or they're or they're viewed in, in differently you think the red sox you think it will take more than or just winning or would it be just winning would bring them back to their prominence in boston because it's now the patriots and uh, have taken over, and the Bruins and the Celtics are right behind them, and the Red Sox are in fourth place right now when they used to be at, at, unequivocally at top. Yeah, I think the Red Sox will come back, uh, and I think that uh, winning will lead the way. Uh, it'll be more than winning. It'll be compelling personalities. It'll be uh, attractive uh, culture, but uh, it, it will definitely be winning on the part of the Red Sox that leads the way. Will, will Tom and John ever go back to their, for lack of a better word, spending ways? As oh, as that, I, that I don't know. You, you have to ask them, but I do think that... Well, stop being a lawyer now, Larry. Stop being a lawyer. Talk to <laughs> no, I'm, trying, I'm trying, Mike. Uh, I'm trying to... Uh, Be careful. Trump will hire you. <laughs> yeah. No, I will... Uh, um, uh, I would say that... Uh, he, well, they go back. They, they will win. They will win again. There's no question in my mind they will win again. And whether they win with the highest payroll or the next to the highest payroll or, 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 or a decent payroll is uh, yet to be seen. Uh, there's so many other factors that, that matter, including health and uh, depth and uh, all of that. So um, uh, I, I do predict that John and Tom will win again. How's your relationship with Theo now? It was it's decent. Uh, we 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 were courteous to each other and uh, and uh, nice, uh, pleasant uh, to each other when we see each other. It's usually at uh, weddings and wakes, unfortunately, but uh, um, we 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 get along just fine. Again, uh, that 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 dispute with him was uh, was largely the in my opinion, a, a function of uh, contract extension. We were trying to come up with a number that made sense. And he had one number in mind and we had another number in mind. And uh, and it, it spiraled out of control. Were you aware that, that that Halloween night that he was walking around a gorilla outfit outside Penway? Oh, no, I wasn't aware of that. But that, that was, a, that, that, again, another event that's been grossly exaggerated. He was trying to, to get out of there uh, safely without the press bombarding him. And so he uh, he took someone's costume. And uh, I think that was uh, clever. It was. <laughs> you weren't right by me. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> right by me. <laughs> Never, ever knew. <laughs> We're all trying to work our sources. You know, okay, cough wants a Theo still down the basement down there. None of us. And then a simple thing like a gorilla outfit just went right by us. Nice and going, Mike. Yep, nice going. The Yale <laughs> guy fools the Harvard guy again. Yeah. Sorry, right. I had somebody, I had Dan Roach down there. I didn't go down myself. <laughs> Delegated that responsibility. <laughs> Larry, you know, you've been great. There's so many other things I just wanted to ask you, you know, just a chance. I'll come back. I'll come back. I love talking to you guys. It's well, like, good. Uh, and we'll, we'll just, uh, some of the things I want to ask you about, you know, you know, but 
the Bob Holer article on Tito was pretty rough. Front page, front page stuff on your manager, and it ended up causing him to, in one way or another, to leave. And I asked Shaughnessy who the source was to the Holer. Of course, Shaughnessy would never tell me. He says they destroyed the files. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shaughnessy so would never. came in and bought the Globe. Uh, those guys went in there and destroyed the files, so nobody would ever know who the source was. Yeah. So. We can talk about that. Tito is a subject uh, well worth uh, discussing. And uh, and so is Tito and, um, uh, did, did I say, uh, Theo. And uh, we, we have a lot of topics we, we can we can continue on with. All right. Well, let's talk about Tito now that he's teed up. Uh, <laughs> for, for I thought we were trying to close this thing out. Uh, no, no, I was not at all. I was being respectful and hopefully because I, you know, was concerned about your time and your desire to continue to going. But let's let's talk about Tito and and uh, how he got here and how he left. Well, he got here by uh, dint of the oldest way possible: competition, competition, competition. He was uh, he was one of several people that. Uh, uh, our, our baseball operations people interviewed, and uh, he uh, did very well on the written exams. And he was, uh, and his great gift, of course, was uh, being um, uh, clever enough to understand the intricacies of baseball, uh, but um, and not so clever as to be bored by them. And he was, uh, uh, he was uh, a very successful manager of the team until, until they needed to hear from a different voice in, in 2011, 2012. Do you believe that, that, that that's what it was? They just needed another voice? He was too familiar with them? Well, I think it was, uh, it was more than that, but that was certainly part of it, yeah. Uh, I think the uh, um, after six, six or eight years as a, as a manager, I think it becomes uh, uh, enough. And uh, and uh, a new voice is always uh, well well received. So, who was the source of the Holer article? I don't know. I, I really don't know. And uh, and if I if I did know, I would tell you because I think the uh, um, uh, we we've been um, criticized for it. Uh, uh, Tito's departure, and I think that article was was largely responsible for his departure. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that that was a big catalyst. Yeah. But like I said, those files have been destroyed, and so we're going to go down with the rest of them. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Not as long as uh, Shaughnessy is a is the author of uh, Tito's biography, and he and he and he is. Uh, he'll uh, he'll always have a defender in Shaughnessy. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, Shaughnessy, uh, I remember Shaughnessy told us right, Lynchy, that Theo or uh, Francona said, "I want to write a book, but if it wouldn't be with you," when he said that. Yeah. <laughs> If Shaughnessy first asked him, he said, yeah, I'll, I'll write one, but it's not going to be with you. 
<laughs> I, I remember that spring training. There was a lot of uh, friction in the air. Uh, you were there, Larry. I think it rained a lot of days, so our press conferences, instead of being on the bench or indoors, and I think you know you kept he kept asking questions. You're going next question, next question, next question. You just you wouldn't acknowledge that he was even in the room. Yeah, the, uh, you're talking about uh, Johnson. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he was uh, taking a very extreme position, and uh, we thought that uh, we would not want to feed that extremity, extreme position. We thought that uh, well, Shaughnessy told us he hasn't talked to John Henry since 2009. Oh but, my goodness! Is I mean, John true? Henry's his boss, and I, you know, I have no reason to believe that Jonasy's wrong. But think about that: he hasn't talked to his boss at the Globe in two thousand and nine. Wow! Wow! What does that tell you? I don't know what that says. I don't know either, except that uh, it means that uh, John is not deeply interested in the Globe. John is not deeply interested in the, in in Globe affairs. If he doesn't talk to Shaughnessy about uh, uh, anything. Which is leaves that to Linda, huh? Pretty much. I think I, I think Linda is very deeply interested in the globe and uh, and uh, runs it as a full time job. Let me get one final spot in here, Larry, before we uh, say goodbye. You know, if you're thinking about a new car, new vehicle, go where Loby and Lynchy go. Go see our good friend George Gray at George Gray's Lexington Toyota. We've been customers for years because we know George Gray will treat you right. They're a family-owned and operated business and dealership that we trust, and I guarantee that you can trust as well. Right, we're going to dinner with him, the George tomorrow night. Go see the big wheel himself, George Gray of Lexington, Toyota 409 Mass Ave in Lexington. I know he's a big fan of Larry Lacano, big fan of the Sox, and, and we've always been big fans of yours, Larry. Uh, well, thank you, Lynchy. We've, uh, you've always been fair and kind to us, and uh, – uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my my years uh, covering you and the Red Sox because uh, you were respectful and uh, and and I always felt that I got a fair shake every single time. Well, there was the Yale man in you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he only went down there to play football. He didn't go there to meet anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. The uh, okay. Remember, this. remember you and I did an art. You and I did an interview for Sports Final. That was fairly lengthy, uh, and I, I, you know, it was probably it covered so many things. And I remember one of the guests I had on that night was Michael Felger. Afterwards, he was really could not understand why I spent so much time with you on that interview when it took away from their time on the air, and he was really pissed about it. He said, "Why would you spend that? Why would you spend so much time talking about the keynote about baseball, and when you know we're not going to be on for?" It was just really. I thought a great compliment. For, I'm not sure for who or what, but it was. Yeah. Thank you. I think. Thanks, Michael. All right. Thanks, Larry. Robert, thank All you right. very much. Good to see you. Great to have you, Larry. Good luck yeah. with the sale and good thank luck. Thank you. Invite me back. Invite me back. I'll be happy to come. Okay. okay. Thank you. All right. Got right. any over. openings, Larry? Let me know. Huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> see you later. Stay. All right. Bye, right, everybody. See you next week. And make sure you follow us.